Welcome everyone to another episode of Bedtime with Dan. Um, today's story is going to be the apples of immortality. So um, it has some great feedback about these stories and a listener has actually requested that maybe I move on to Greek um, stories after this. So I am in the process of finding a book. So we've got a few stories left of this, so that's a few more weeks, but hopefully we will go into Zeus and things like that after this. But sit back and let's uh, get on with the story today. This was another time that there were three of them. Exploring in the mountain wastes on the edge of Jodenheim, the home of the giants. This time the three of them were Thor, Loki and Honir. Honir was an old god. He had given the gift of reason to humans. Food was hard to find in those mountains and the three gods were hungry and getting hungrier. They heard a noise, the lowing of distant cattle, and they looked at each other and grinned the grins of hungry men who would eat that night. They came down into the green valley, a place of life, where huge oak trees and high pine trees bordered meadows and streams, and there they saw a herd of cattle, huge and fat on the valley's grass. They dug a pit and built a fire of wood in the pit. And they slaughtered an ox and buried it in the bed of hot coals, and they waited for the food to be done. They opened the pit, but the meat was still raw and bloody. Again they lit the fire, again they waited, again the meat had not even warmed by the heat of the fire. Did you hear something? asked Thor. What? said Honir. I heard nothing. I heard it, said Loki. Listen. They listened, and the sound was unmistakable. Somebody somewhere was laughing at them, vast and amused. Three gods looked around at them, and there was no one else in the valley, only some, only themselves and cattle. And then Loki looked up. On the highest branch of the tallest tree was an eagle. It was the largest eagle they had ever seen, a giant of an eagle, and it was laughing at them. Do you know why our fire will not cook our dinner? asked Thor. I might know, said the eagle. Ma, you do look hungry. Why don't you eat your meat raw? That is what eagles do. We tear it up with our beaks. But you do not have beaks, do you? We are hungry, said Honir. Can you help us cook our dinner? In my opinion, said the eagle, there must be some kind of magic on your fire draining its heat and its power. If you promise to give me some of your meat for myself, I'll give your fire back its power. We promise, said Loki. You can help yourself to your portion as soon as the meat is cooked for all of us. The eagle flew once around the meadow, beating its wings in gusts so powerful that the coals in the pit flared and flamed, and the gods forced to hold on to each other to keep from blowing off their feet and then it returned to its perch high in the tree. This time they buried the meat in the fire pit with a good heart, and they waited. It was the summer, when the sun barely sets in the Northlands, and the day lasts forever. So it was late into the night that they still felt like day when they opened the pit. To be met with this glorious smell of cooked beef, tender and ready for their knives and their teeth, as the pit was opened, the eagle swooped down and seized 
into its claws the two rear haunches of the ox, along with its shoulder, and began to tear at it with a ravenous beak. Loki was furious, seeing much of his dinner about to be devoured, and he struck the eagle with his spear, hoping the force of it would drop a plunder of food. The eagle flapped its wings hard, creating a wind so strong it almost knocked the gods over, and it dropped the meat. Loki had no time to enjoy his triumph because he discovered the spear was struck in the great bird's side, and as the eagle took off into the air, it carried him with it. Loki wanted to let go of his spear, but his hands were stuck to the shaft. He could not let go. The bird flew low, so Loki's feet were dragging over stones and gravel, over mountainside and over trees. There were magic at work, and it was magic mightier than anything Loki could control. Please, he shouted, stop this. You are going to take my arm from its sockets. My boots are already destroyed. You're going to kill me. The eagle soared off to the side of the mountain and circled gently in the air, with only the crisp air between them and the ground. Perhaps I will kill you, it said. Whatever it takes to make you put me down, gasped Loki. Whatever you want, please. I want, said the eagle. I done and I want her apples. The apples of immortality. Loki hung in the air. It was a long way down. Idun was married to Bragi, god of poetry, and she was sweet and gentle and kind. She carried a box with her made of ashwood, which contained golden apples. But the gods felt age beginning to touch them, to frost their hair and ache their joints, and they would go to Idun. She would open her box and allow a god or goddess to eat a single apple. As they ate it, their youth and power returned to them. Without Idun's apples, the gods would scarcely be gods. You're not saying anything, I think, said the eagle. I will drag you over some more rocks and mountaintops. Perhaps I will also drag you through some deep rivers this time. I'll get the apples for you, said Loki. I swear it. Just let me down. The eagle said nothing, but with a twitch of the wing began to descend to the green meadows from where from which a fire smoke rose. A swoop down to where Thor and Honir were standing open-mouthed, looking at them. As the eagle flew over the fire pit, Loki found himself falling, still grasping his spear, and he tumbled onto the grass with a cry. The eagle beat his wings and rose above them, and in moments it was a tiny dot in the sky. I wonder what that was about, said Thor. Who knows, said Loki. We left you some food, said Honir. Loki had lost his appetite, which his friends attributed to his flight in the air. Nothing else interesting or out of the ordinary occurred on their way home. The next day, Idun was walking through Asgard, greeting the gods, looking at their faces as if any of them were beginning to look old. Asked Loki. Normally, Loki ignored her, but this morning he smiled at her and greeted her. Idun! So good to see you. I feel age upon me, he told her. I need to taste one of your apples. You do not look as if you are aging, she said. I hide it well, said Loki. Oh, my aching back. Old age is a terrible thing, Idun. Idun opened her ash box and gave Loki a golden apple. 
He ate it with enthusiasm, devouring it, seeds and all. Then he made a face. Oh dear, he said. I thought you'd have, well, nicer apples than this. What a peculiar thing to say, said Idun. Never before had her apples been received like this. Normally God's talking only about the perfection of the flavour and how good it was to feel young again. Loki, they are the apple of the gods, the apples of immortality. Loki looked unconvinced. Perhaps, he said, but I saw some apples in the forest that were finer in every way than your apples, looked nicer, smelled nicer, tasted nicer than these. I think they are apples of immortality too, perhaps a better kind of immortality than yours. He watched expressions chase each other across Idun's face, disbelief, puzzlement and concern. There are only apples like this there are, she said. Loki shrugged. I'm just telling you what I saw, he said. Idun walked beside him. Where are these apples, she asked. Over there. Not sure I could tell you how to get there. But I could take you through the forest. It's not a long walk. She nodded. But when we see the apple tree, said Loki, how will you, how will we be able to compare the apples to the ones in your ash box back in Asgard? I mean, I could say they are even better than your apples, and you would say nonsense. Loki, these are, these are shriveled crab apples compared to my apples, and how could we tell? Don't be silly, said Idun. I will bring my apples. We will compare them. Oh, said Loki. What a clever idea. Well then, let's go. He led her into the forest. I done holding tightly of her ash box containing the apples of immortality. After an hour and a half of walking, I done said, Loki, I am starting to believe that there are no other apples and there is no apple tree. That's unkind of you and hurtful, said Loki. The apple tree is just on the top of the hill there. They walked up to the top of the hill. There is no apple tree here, said Idun. Only the tall pine with an eagle in it. Is that an eagle? asked Loki. It's very big. As if it heard them, the eagle spread its wings and dropped from the pine tree. No eagle am I, said the eagle, but the giant Thiazzi, an eagle shape, here to claim the beautiful Idun. You will be my companion to my daughter, Skadi, and perhaps you will learn to love me. But whatever happens, time and immortality have run out for the gods of Asgard. So say it. So says Thiazzi. It seized Idun in one tannin claw and the ashwood box of apples in the other, and it rose into the sky above Asgard and was gone. So that's who that was, said Loki to himself. I knew it wasn't just an eagle, but he made his way home, hoping vaguely that no one had noticed that Idun and her apples were gone, or that if they did, it would be long after anyone would constant it would be long after anyone would connect disappearance with Loki taking Idun into the forest. You were the last to see her, said Thor, rubbing the knuckles of his right hand. No, I wasn't, said Loki. Why would you even say that? And you haven't become old like the rest of us, said Thor. I'm old, but I'm lucky, said Loki. I wear it well. Thor grunted, 
entirely unconvinced. His red beard was now snow white with a few pale orange hairs in it, like an once proud fire becoming white ashes. Hit him again, said Freya. Her hair was long and grey, and the lines of her face were deep and careworn. She was still beautiful, but it was the beauty of age, not of golden-haired maiden. He knows where Idun is, and he knows where the apples are. The necklace of the brazen still hung around her neck, but it was dull and tarnished, and it did not shine. Odin, the father of the gods, held onto his staff with knobby arthritic fingers, blue-veined and twisted. His voice, always booming and commanding, was now crackled and dusty. Do not hit him, Thor, he said in his old voice. See? I know you at least would see reason, or father, said Loki. I had nothing to do with it. Why would Idun have gone anywhere with me? She didn't even like me. Do not hit him, repeated Odin, and he peered at Loki with his one good eye. Now, Glacius Grey, I want him to be whole and unbroken when he is tortured. They are heating the fires now and sharpening the blades and collecting the rocks. We may be old, but we can torture and we can kill as well as we could ever do when we were in our prime and had the apples of Idun to keep us young. The smell of burning coals reached Loki's nostrils. If, he said, if I managed to work out what happened to Idun, and if I were somehow to bring her and her apples back to Asgard safely, could we forget all about the torture and death? It is your only chance of life, said Odin, in a voice so old and cracked that Loki could not tell whether it was a voice of an old man or an old woman. Bring Idun back to Asgard and the apples of immortality. Loki nodded. Unfasten these chains, he told them. I'll do it. I'll need Freya's falcon feather cloak, though. My cloak, said Freya. I'm afraid so. Freya walked stiffly away and returned with the cloak covered with the falcon feathers. Loki's chains were unfastened and he reached for the cloak. Don't think you can just fly off and never return, said Thor, and he stroked his white beard meaningfully. I may be old now, he said, but if you do not return, ancient as I am, I will hunt you down. Wherever you hide, and I and my hammer will be your death, for I still am Thor, and I am still strong. You are still extremely irritating, said Loki. Save your breath. You can use your strength in making a pile of wood shavings beyond the walls of Asgard. An enormous pile of wood shavings. You will need to cut down many trees and chip them into thin shavings. I'll need a long, high pile along the wall, so you should start now. Then Loki wrapped the falcon cloak tightly about himself and in falcon form flapped his wings and rose, faster even than an eagle and was gone, flying north towards the lands of the frost giants. Loki flew in the shape of a falcon without pause until, deep in the lands of the frost giants, he reached the fortress of the giant Thiazi, and he perched on the high roof, observing all that went on beneath. He watched Thiazi in giant form, lumber out of his keep, and walk across the shingle of the roaring boat, bigger than the largest whale. Thiazi hauled the boat down the strand into the cold waters of the North Ocean and rowed with huge strokes out into the sea. 
soon he was lost at sight. Then Loki flew as a falcon about the keep, peering into each window as he went. In the farthest room, through a barred window, he saw Idun, sitting and weeping, and he perched on the bars. Seashore weeping, he said. It is I, Loki, here to rescue you. Idun glared at him with red-rimmed eyes. It is you who are the source of my troubles, she said. Well, perhaps, but that was a long time ago. That was yesterday, Loki. Today's Loki is here to save you and take you home. How? she asked. Do you have the apples with you? I am the goddess of the Asia, she told him. Where I am, the apples also are. She showed him the box of apples. That makes things simple, said Loki. Close your eyes. She closed her eyes, and he transformed her into hazelnut in its shell, with the green husk still clinging to it. Loki closed his talons on the nut, hopped up to and between the bars of the windows and began the journey home. Ziazi had a poor day's fishing. No fish were biting for him. He decided that the best use of his time would be to return to his keep and pay court to Idun. He would tease her by telling her just how, with her and her apples, were gone. All the gods were frail and withered, drooling, palsied, quivering hulks, slow of thought and crippling in mind and body. He rode home to his keep and went to run into Idun's room. It was empty. Thiazzi saw the falcon's feather on the ground and he knew in that moment where Idun was and who had taken her. He leapt to the sky in the form of an eagle, even huger and mightier than he had been before and he began to beat his wings and flew faster and ever faster towards Asgard. The world moved beneath him, the wind blew about him. He went even faster, so fast that the air itself boomed with the sound of it passing. Thiazzi flew onwards. He left the land of the giants and entered the land of the gods. When he spotted the falcon ahead of him, Thiazzi let out a scream of rage and increased his speed. The gods of Asgard heard this screech and the boom of his wings, and they went to the high walls to see what was happening. They saw the little falcon coming towards them, the enormous eagle so close behind it, the falcon was so close. Now, said Thor. Now, said Freya. Thor set fire to the wood shavings. There was a moment before they caught, a moment just long enough for the falcon to fly over them and to settle inside the castle, and then... With a whoosh, they burst into flames. It was like an eruption, a gout of fire higher than the walls of Asgard itself, terrifying and unimaginably hot. Thiazzi in eagle form could not stop himself, could not slow his flight, could not change direction. He flew into the flames. The giant's feathers caught fire and the tips of his wings burned. And a featherless eagle, he fell, fell from the air and crashed into the ground with a bang and a thud that shook the fortress of the gods. Burned, dazed and stunned, the naked eagle was no match even for elderly gods. Before he could transform himself back into a giant shape, he was already wounded, and as he changed from a bird to a giant, a blow of Thor's hammer parted Thiazzi from his life. Idun was glad to be reunited with her husband. The gods ate the apples of mortality and regained their youth. Loki hoped that the matter was done with. It wasn't.
Thiazi's daughter, Skadi, put on her armor, picked up her weapons, and came to Asgard to avenge her father. My father was everything to me, she said. You killed him. His death fills my life with tears and misery. I have no joy in my life. I have. I am here for vengeance or for compensation. The Aesir and Skadi bargained for compensation back and forth. In these days, each life had a price on it, and Thiazi's life was priced high. When the negotiations were concluded, the gods and Skadi had agreed that she would be recompensated for her father's death in three ways. First, that she would be given a husband to take the place of her dead father. It was obvious to all the gods and goddesses that Skabi had set her heart on Boulder, the most beautiful of all gods. She kept winking at him and staring until Boulder would look away, blushing and embarrassed. Second, that the gods would make her laugh again, because she had not smiled or laughed since her father had been killed. The last, that the gods would make it so that her father would never be forgotten. The gods let her choose a husband from their number, but they had on one condition. They told her that she could not choose her husband by seeing his face. The male gods would all stand behind a curtain, with one, with only their feet showing. Skadi would have to choose who her husband was by his feet. One by one, gods walked past the curtain, and Skadi stared at their feet. Ugly feet, she would say as each set of feet would pass. Then she stopped and exclaimed with, with delight, Those are the feet of my husband-to-be, she said. Those are the most beautiful feet. They must be Boulder's feet. Nothing on Boldy could be ugly. And while Boulder was incredibly beautiful, the feet she had chosen, Scully discovered when the curtain was lifted, belonged to Njord, god of chariots, father of Frey and of Freya. She married him then and there, and at the wedding feast that followed her face with the saddest any of the Aesir had ever seen, Thor nudged Loki. Go on, he said. Make her laugh. This is all your fault anyway. Loki sighed. Really? Thor nodded, and he tapped the handle of his hammer meaningfully. Loki shook his head. Then he went outside to pens where the animals were kept and he came back into the wedding feast leading a large, extremely irritated billy goat. Loki irritated the goat even more by trying to strong rope tightly around its beard. Then Loki tied the other end of the rope around his own private parts. He tugged on the rope with his hand. The goat screamed, feeling its beard tugged painfully, and it jerked back. The rope pulled hard on Loki's private parts. Loki screamed and grabbed from the rope again, yanking it back. The gods laughed. It did not take long to make the gods laugh. But this was the best thing they had seen in a long time. They placed bets on what would be torn off first, the goat's beard or Loki's parts. They mocked Loki for screaming. Like a fox wailing at night time, exclaimed Boulder, stifling his laughter. Loki sounded like a weeping baby, giggled Boulder's brother, Hob, who, had, who was blind and still laughed every time Loki screeched. Skadi did not laugh, although the ghost of a smile began to haunt the corners of her lips. Every time the goat screamed or Loki wailed like a child in pain, her smile became a little wider. Loki pulled, the goat pulled, Loki screamed and yanked the rope, 
The goat yelped and pulled back even harder. The rope snapped. Loki shot through the air, clutching his groin and landing smack in Scotty's lap, whimpering and broken. Scotty laughed like an avalanche in a mountain country. She laughed as loudly as a carver glacier. She laughed so long and hard that tears of laughter glittered in her eyes. And as she laughed, for the first time, she reached out and squeezed her new husband Yord's hand. Loki clambered down from her lap and staggered away, both hands clutching between his legs as he went. Glaring in, the, glaring in an aggrieved fashion at the gods and the goddesses who only laughed louder. We are done then, said Odin, the Allfather, to Scali the giant's daughter when the wedding's feast was over, or almost done. He signed Scali to follow him into the night, and she and Odin walked out to the hall together, with a new husband by her side. Beside the funeral pyre, the gods had made for the remains of the giant, two huge orbs sat filled with light. These orbs, said Odin to Skadi, these were your father's eyes. The Allfather took the two eyes and threw them up into the night sky, where they were burning and glittered together side by side. Look up into the night in the midwinter. You can see them there, twin stars, one blazing beside the other. These two stars are Theazi's eyes. They are still shining. I enjoyed that story. Um, once again, Loki getting himself in trouble. Um, but I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have a good rest of the week and you join us for our normal show on Friday. And I'll catch you then, guys. Have a good day.